Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Chapter 14, verse 1 says this. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, that's his PA, his assistant, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. That was their enemies. But Jonathan didn't tell his father, who's the king, what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men Now, if I took you back a couple of chapters, you would discover that Saul has begun with thousands, but uh, then a whole bunch of them decide that it's too big a task. They're intimidated by the size of the enemy. They decide not to keep on going. And in the middle of all of that, Saul gets a little bit paralyzed. Saul is always, in my understanding of him, the reluctant leader. He's the guy who who gets in the job but never has got a spirit of faith and confidence that God is going to help. And so Saul and his 600 men are camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migong. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who's wearing the ephod. And why is that in there? Why does that even matter? Because it was the priest who was the one who was meant to hear from God. They'd never go into battle without having God's representative there to tell them what to do and when to do it. And so that's why this guy's there. Uh, The priestly vest, he's the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who served at Shiloh. So the guy's got heritage. He knows what he's doing, all right? That's why you're told all that. But no one had realised that Jonathan has left the Israelite camp to reach the Philistine outpost. Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were named. Of course they were. Like Wave Rock, it's named. Like Uluru, it's named. These rocks had names. Bozes and Senna. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash and the one on the south was in front of Geber in case you ever wanted to go. Now you know how to get there. All right? Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armour bearer. Here's where it starts getting interesting. Perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he's got many warriors or only a few. His armour bearer is a wonderful staff member. He says, do what you think is best. The armour bearer replied, I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, Jonathan said, we will go over and we will let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up. But if they say to us, come on up and fight, we will go up because that'll be the Lord's sign that He'll help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they began to shout, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. In other words, the enemy starts mocking their efforts, saying, look at these two pathetic specimens. They've been in their hidey holes. Now they've got the audacity to come out. And you know and I know that one of the chief things that the devil always wants to do to the people of God is to bring intimidation, to mock you, to say, well, who do you think you are? Can I say to you without being too controversial, right across our nation right now, there is uh, an absolute agenda to kind of minimise the church and uh, make out like the church is either doing the wrong thing or is doing nothing and Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. We are praying tonight 
in our faith, hope and love service, we're praying for our nation. I'd love it if you would come. We're going to pray for this country. I believe that like Mark Edwards, who's coming in June, said to me the other day, I believe this is the turning point year for the church in Australia. So we're going to be praying for that. We're going to be praying for our initiative in the Kimberley tonight as well. But let me keep on going. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, verse 12, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. The devil always overplays his hand. Huh? Goliath mocked David. Said, who do you think you are? I am going to tear your limbs off. The enemy always wants to boast what he's going to do to your life. Jonathan says this to his armour bearer. He says, come on, climb up behind me for the Lord is going to help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet. Why does that matter? It means that they never had one arm free for the sword. In other words, they went up vulnerable. They went up without the ability to be able to repel, but they still went up. Come on, sometimes we don't go until we've got all the resources we need. Sometimes we don't feel like we want to go anywhere or step out unless we've got the ability to be able to at least do something in our power. They went up using both hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armour bearer killed those who came behind them. What an incredible victory. They killed 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Let your words speak more, Lord, to us than simply a good story or information. But God, I pray for every single one of us in this building, myself included, every one of us online. God, would you challenge our heart today as I know you want. Lord, would you speak to us, not about our past or our present, but about our future. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your revelation, Holy Spirit. We're always going to give you the glory for it. We're always going to admire you for what you do and the way you speak. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love this man's spirit, this Jonathan guy. He's not sure, he's uncertain, but he's willing to try. For those of you that already have the paper notes that are available or you're with us on the metrochurch.online platform where the notes are, you know that the title of my message today is What If, Why Not, Why Not Now? And that's the spirit of this man, Jonathan. What if God should give us a victory? Why not try? And if we're going to try, why not try now? That's the spirit that this man brings to this part of his life where the enemy, literally, and I'll tell you this a bit later on as well, where the enemy has basically made them defenceless. Saul and all of his army are paralysed. They're not going anywhere. No one's going up, just like happens a couple of chapters later with David and Goliath, where everyone's paralysed. Everyone's kind of under attack and under pressure and feeling like, well, let's just stop. How about we group? How about we consolidate? How about we just kind of, you know, just don't make ourselves too big a target? And it's in that space of uncertainty and pressure that this guy, Jonathan, steps up and he says, what if? What if God should help us? Why not try? And if we're going to try, why not now? Not 10 years time, not when we've got it all together. Why not now? So let me ask you, what if that thought that you've had about helping that person in your street, 
What if that's God? What if, why not? Well, then why not now? What if that thought you've had about sharing your faith with that work colleague is actually not just a random thought that popped into your head? What if it's God? And if it is, why not try? And if you're going to try, why not now? What if that dream that's been in your heart for so long, what about that thought of you taking your gift and your talent and doing something profound or at least something significant with it? What if that is God? And if it is God, well, why not? Why not try? And if it's going to happen and you're going to try, why not now? See, Jonathan ends up stepping out and he sees an incredible victory against overwhelming odds. And the thing I love about this is that he hasn't got a prophetic word. No prophet has come and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, Yea, for thou shalt go up and thou shalt go up. And in thy going up, thou shalt go up. And in your going up, thou shalt go up. And when thou wast get there, thou shalt have great victory. Yea, even yea. They're going to fall over when you get up there. Now, I don't know whether they fell over because he knocked them over, whether they fell over because the Holy Spirit just knocked them over. It just says they fell before him and that his armor bearer came up with a sword. But I have no idea what happened. No angel appeared to him the night before and said, Fear not, Jonathan, for I am with thee. Yea, yea, and even more yea. Yea, because I'm going to really help you out. Yea, I'm going to really take care of this. There's none of that at all in this story. And I think it's one of the most unusual stories. And it's one of the ones I love the best because this guy doesn't know if it's God or not. He just says, what if? Why not? Well, why not now? Let me give you a couple of lessons out of this amazing story that I trust will help you as you start pondering over what God has for you. We've been speaking this entire year about vision. But you know, a vision that never has action applied to it is nothing more than a beautiful daydream. It's just a great dream, that's all. Oh, well, somebody should. Somebody order. You know, ah, oh, well, you know, they're like I call them skippy Christians. What's that skip? What, the world's going to hell in a handbasket? What if, why not, why not now? I'm not preaching to the person in the seat next to you or the one in front of you or behind you. No, I'm aiming at you. I'm speaking to you about your life because there is no such thing as an insignificant, inconsequential Christian. There's no such thing as a follower of Jesus who's absolutely giftless, talentless, resourceless and got no ability at all. They don't exist. Oh, you haven't discovered yours yet, maybe. But you've got it. And Jonathan, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Way ahead of myself. Lesson number one. Lesson number one. Are you ready? God blesses the person of initiative who's got the right motives. I've met a lot of people who had agendas, wanted to be stars, wanted to have everyone applaud them or tell them how great they were. But there's no self-promotion in this story. No one knows he's going. He doesn't go, Dad, guess what? I think this is my moment. Let me prove to you that I'm a warrior. I can do it, Dad. Let me show you, Dad. Come on, Dad. I'm going to go up there. Come on, Dad. All right, son, off you go then. Give it a go. There's none of that whatsoever in this. No self-promotion. There's no hoping for applause. 
God will bless the person who's got initiative, who's got right motives in their heart. It's not a matter of being anonymous. It's a matter of going, that's not what drives your life. I love that verse in Luke 17, verse 10, where Jesus says this. And I've, I've never heard anyone preach on this, but I think it's a great verse. Obviously, it says, Jesus says, so likewise you, when you've done all those things which you are commanded. In other words, when you've done all the serving God that God asks you to do, say we are unprofitable servants. Not, oh, aren't I a hero? Because look how much time I volunteer. Oh, aren't I amazing? Look at the sacrifice I'm making for Jesus. Yes, he hung on a cross and you aren't quite up to that yet. Just a thought. He says, just say we're unprofitable servants. We only did what was our duty to do. Amen. At the end of your life, don't wait for a medallion, a plaque, a a crown or any other such thing. That's up to Jesus, whether you get it. Live a life that just says, God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve others. If people applaud, that's great. And I'll give you back that applause and that glory. But Lord, if they don't, that's okay. I never did it for them. I did it for you. I did it for you, Lord. If you see it, that's all that matters to me. If you see me give that cup of water to a, a person in your name, God, if you'll notice what I give, the woman who put in her two mites, it'll be enough for me, Lord, if I know I did it for you. You're no man's debtor. Amen. So lesson number one, God blesses the person of initiative has got the right motive. Lesson number two is this one. God is moving when we are trusting. God's moving when we are trusting. Verse six tells us, Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armour bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Because he's not restricted to save by many or by few. He doesn't need an army. He just needs the willing. That's what he needs. And when we are trusting, and trust in the Bible is never sitting back and doing nothing while you wait. Trusting is always an active posture. But while we are trusting, God is moving. He already had the Philistines ready for the assault that was about to come from Jonathan and his armour bearer climbing up using both hands and feet. Later on, we're told about the children of Israel that there were no swords or spears in the hands of the people of Israel. I think the armour bearer probably had the only sword. I think it says that Saul and Jonathan had them. No one else had them. So these guys go up trusting God, saying we don't know how it's going to happen, but God was moving. God was, can I say to you, listen, God's always moving. There's never a day when He's not moving. Amen. You just don't think He is. You think, oh no, this is the worst thing ever happened to me. And God goes, don't worry, I've got plans. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And so the worst day that looks like right now for you, the day where you're confused and the day where you're unsure, and the day when you're saying, why did I ever bother? And why did I step out? And why did I start? That day, Jonathan was amongst all those people that gathered together in a huge crowd of thousands for battle, only to discover that thousands of them then left. And Jonathan doesn't go, oh, well, there you go, it's the worst. He says, I wonder if this is the day. What if? Why not? Why not now? Lesson number three. Presumption is when we tell God what He has to do that He hasn't promised. 
Initiative is when we're willing to try despite uncertainty. Presumption is we go, God has to do this. Because after all, uh, you know, I saw a blue car drive past and the blue car means, no, it just means it was a blue car. I hope you get this. I'm not trying to diminish your faith in any sense. But presumption is when we start telling God what He's got to do, even though He never promised it. Jonathan doesn't go up there saying, God has to help us because we're Hebrews. After all, are we not His people? Beware of using logic as the stepping stone to faith. I'm a Christian, therefore God has to. Don't you, logic is not the stepping stone to faith. Promises are the stepping stone to faith. Are you with me? Presumption is when we tell God what He's got to do that He hasn't promised. Initiative is when we're willing to try despite uncertainty in our life. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that we are kings and priests. And I've heard people act like, well, then somehow or other spiritually, I can order things around. Well, I go, you're kind of partly right. You have got some authority. But can I tell you, he's not a king. He's the king of kings. He's not a priest. He's the high priest. Amen. And so he's the one in charge. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He's the leader of the flock. He's the head of the church. You and I aren't. So I don't want to allow presumption to force me into some kind of a pathway that God hasn't sent me on. Some people are sent and some are just went. Nothing wrong with trying. That's what this message is about. Here's lesson number four. Lesson number four, hold tightly what He's spoken to you. Hold lightly what He hasn't. If God speaks it to you, hold on through hell or high water. Say, God, you told me that. I had a conversation last night with somebody and we were talking about healing and about uh, miracles. And I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what somebody else believes about you. It matters what you believe about you. It doesn't matter what somebody else will prophesy and tell you you should be doing. You ought to be. It's your faith that walks there. Can you believe it yourself? Hold tightly to what he's spoken to you. We're told there in verse 8 and 9 that they say, we don't know whether God's going to help us. We're not sure about this. We'll go up there and we'll say this. If they say to us, don't come up here, we'll know the Lord doesn't want us to go. In other words, Jonathan and his armour bearer, listen, are willing to hear God's no. Now, I don't know about the rest of you here. I always know what God ought to do. Amen. How many of you ever thought one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God? And I'm going to say, God, why didn't you? And you should have. And all the rest of that stuff. And the truth is, when you read the Scriptures, when they all get to heaven, this is what they do. And I fell at his feet as one dead, it says in Revelation. All these people, all the Aussies, you know, when I get to heaven... I'm going to tell God what I think. Honey, you ain't telling him nothing. (laughs) He's like the sun that shineth in its strength. You're down on your face, man. You're down there and anything else you thought, 
Yeah, but my philosophy degree told me. He's going to go, well, so what? Yeah, but you don't understand what they taught me in science, in biology. I'm telling you, when you get before Almighty God, this is it. Yeah, but hello, I studied theology. Yeah, but you know, I had a lot of trouble and that's why I'm like, I am. Yeah, but it wasn't my fault. You don't understand, it was those people that made me do it. That's where you're going to be. Amen. Here's a suggestion. Start practicing. That's what Deeper Strong is all about. Not what do you think, your opinion, what you reckon the church ought to be doing and all the churches around the place and where they've all got it wrong. Not the last 15 churches you've been a part of that hurt you and wounded you. Not the Christians that offended you and that's why you don't go to church anymore. Yeah, they ripped me off. I tithe and I never got blessed. Are you with me? Come on. These guys are willing to hear God's no. I'm always amazed at our capacity to say to God, you order and I'm telling you. Prayer, God's not the waiter at your table. Look, could you just put that on the side, please? I... I just have a little of a tender stomach right now. Can I have that without the chili? Lord, I'd like the gospel without your morals. Can we have that on the side, Lord? I know you said we shouldn't live in adultery, but Lord, hello, this is 2023. Now, for some of you getting down there, it's going to take a bit of a while, huh? The next stiff. Amen. The Bible says, desire the sincere meat of the word. That means you've got to chew it. I think I've got the grisly bit of the Bible. Listen, I'm no different to you. I've got a bunch of things where I go, well, I don't like that. If I wrote the Bible, there'd be a whole stack of stuff wouldn't be in there. (laughs) Jesus in the garden. Do I have to do this? But not my will. Amen. There's a few lessons in this story. And that's one of them right there. Hold tightly to what he's spoken to you, but hold lightly what he hasn't. He's Lord and you're not. As one of my grandchildren said to me once, as I was sitting in the car singing them a song, Behold, 
I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. She turned to me and she said, Granddad, you are not the Lord. Lesson number five. Initiative is the why not that answers the what if. Initiative, come on. All the what ifs don't mean anything if there's never a believer that says, I'll take the initiative. And I want you to realize this, write this down if you're making notes. Initiative discovered the will of God. There was no prophetic declaration, there's no announcement. The will of God got discovered by someone who had initiative. I wonder how much of the will of God is waiting to be uncovered in the lives of people that will step out. Before they went, it was just an idea. It was a a wonder. Lesson number six. Failure is never the worst thing that can happen. The regret of what might have been is... I try to measure some parts of my life by my willingness to fail. And as you get older, you get a reputation, nobody wants to fail. But I always kind of go, I never started having to live up to someone else's idea. So now I don't live up to it anyway. Can we fail? Of course we can fail. But failure is not the worst thing that can happen. Looking back over your life, and saying, I wish, if only. Jonathan never said, if only. Well, we could have. He said, what if? Why not? Why not now? Much has been made by preachers about Peter walking on the water and beginning to sink in Matthew 14, and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand and said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But can I tell you that as much as Peter failed, there was 11 other disciples that had never felt what it was like to walk on a wave and to rise and to fall with the waves that went up and went down. They were in the boat watching somebody else try. They're in the boat. Oh, he failed for sure. But thank God in his failure, Jesus was there. And I don't know about you, I'd rather fail somewhere distant from the boat, holding out and saying, Jesus, save me, than I would to say, Lord, I don't need you. I'm in the boat, I'm safe here. It's okay, Lord, I've got this. It's okay, Jesus, don't need you today. Live a life so you need God. Amen. God's looking for people who are willing to step out of the boat and follow him even if there's not certainty in their life. Here's the last one, number seven. There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. Now, preferably do both. But 1 Samuel 14, verse 18, Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, that's the priest, Bring the ephod here. For at that time Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while, watch this. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the camp grew louder and louder. Why? Because Jonathan's up there killing people. Huh? While Saul's talking to the priest, let's just pray about this. Amen. Well, we don't want to be presumptuous. We don't want to move ahead of God. Mm. 
Lord, if you send 18 angels to my bed tonight and they shake it in a clockwise direction, I'll know that it's you. Lord, if T.D. Jakes and Joyce Meyer both ring me up tonight. They don't have my phone, but that's all right, Lord, you know, you will send it to them. Then, Lord, I'll know it's your will that I step out. That's what Saul's doing. Saul's in the middle of having a prayer meeting. Nothing wrong with prayer. We pray in this church. Thank God for it. But thank God we don't just pray only. Amen. Saul's praying about it and Jonathan and his armour bearer are winning it. Saul is waiting for a sign to lead him. Jonathan is expecting a sign to follow him. Which one are you? Are you waiting for a sign to lead you? Or are you expecting a sign to follow you? Jesus said in Mark 16 verse 17, These signs shall follow them that believe. Well, I've heard about the great things God's doing somewhere. I go, that's great. But you know what? We're not looking for signs to lead us somewhere. We're expecting signs to follow us as we walk with God. Amen. Truth is that our God's a battle fighter and a victory winner. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 says, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. So again, let me ask you, what if, why not? Why not now? Father, we thank you for today. Your word speaks to our heart, Lord, in so many ways, hundreds of people are hearing something unique to them right now where you are saying, this is for you. And Lord, their circumstance and their situation is different to mine and different to the person next door to them. But God, it's your voice. We want to have the spirit of Jonathan. What if? Why not? Why not now? What if, Lord, these aren't the worst days? What if they're the best days? God, save us from letting the media paint the picture of our future. Letting social media or newspapers or TV tell us what the economic or social future of our nation looks like. Your word says that as surely as the waters cover the sea, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Just while heads and bad eyes are closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. You might have gone to church or maybe you've never been. You might have heard sermons or you might never have heard them. You might know some of the Bible, you might know none of it. Jesus never went to the theologically trained. He went to the people that knew very little and said, come follow me. And I believe that today God's saying to people, come follow me. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying across this nation and all the nations of the earth, come follow Jesus. Come follow Jesus. If that's you this morning, say, Jeff, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to get, let Him come into my heart today. I'm going to let Him start to lead me. I'm going to get that posture of, Lord, I'm here for you. If that's you and you'd like me to pray with you right where you are, would you just slip your hand up so I can see it across this building, wherever you may be? Say, Jeff, that's me. Jeff, I, I don't know Jesus like that. Today, I want to say yes to Him. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you are? I'm looking across for you for a minute. I'll talk in a minute about how you online can join with us in that. But just wave it around if I haven't seen it yet, if I haven't acknowledged it. I don't want to miss you out. 
just wherever you are, that's you. You say, Jeff, that's me. I feel like there's people here for that today. And I don't want to, I just wait another 30 seconds. I don't want to miss you out. He is the rock on which we stand. Look this way a minute then. If you want to say yes to Christ, we've made it so easy. Well, actually, Jesus made it easy. Our method is easy. If you text yes, just that simple three letters. I'm off to the dentist this week. Regular checkup thing. I get a text to confirm your appointment. Text yes. Why yes? I do that for the dentist. I send them my yes. And they know I'm coming. This is similar, isn't it? You text your yes, honey, instead of texting it to the dentist, you're saying to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You know, that gives me an entry point. I don't just turn up the dentist, they go, who are you? I send them my yes, they know I'm coming. And it's exactly the same. When you send Jesus your yes, He knows you're coming. We want to help you. We send you a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every day. It's completely free. We'd love to send it to you and help you. So if that's you, you and you're in Australia, you text yes to 0488 If you're outside of Australia or email's a better vehicle for you, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and we will absolutely include you. Know you're coming. It's a beautiful thing. Father, help those people, I pray in Jesus' name. All those yeses that'll come in this week, I'm looking for them. Expecting that there'll be signs following. So we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I think we should stand and sing again that beautiful song. Solomon's, Solomon Path is ready to go to ministry time online to pray with people. And by the way, you can join us online tonight at five. Uh, again, we've got ways so that you can be a part of Faith, Hope and Love tonight at five where we're praying for Australia. We're praying for the Kimberley particularly. Love you to be a part of that. John and Trudy, they'll be out there in the press space. They told me last week that more and more people are coming out there and just taking time. And they said to me, one of the best things about it is that, you know, they instead of just a quick laying on of hands, they're getting to talk with people and connections get made. I think it's a great thing. So if you need prayer today, make sure you stop off there before you leave the building. Amen. Thank you so much, Liz. Teacher Liz. There you go. Christ is my first love.